Alright y'all, what is going on? This is your man L. Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. We have a lot to get into, a lot to get into in terms of the wide world of sports. I want to give my final thoughts on the NBA Finals and the NBA season as a whole. Also want to get into some NBA draft coverage. Just go over the top picks of the first round. Uh, some other highlights from the draft as well as some winners, losers, you know, all that type of thing. Analysis. Also, I want to get into Kyrie and potentially KD's future with the Brooklyn Nets. I want to get into the NFL as well. We have a few storylines to go over there, such as a few, a few coaches on the hot seat going into this season. Uh, Josh Jacobs' future with the Raiders. It looks like it's coming to an end. And finally, I want to give a fan's perspective on the age-old question, at least in this era, Brady. Brady or Manny. Also want to finish things off with two more segments. I want to get into the MLB. I want to go over the scores and the standings. Of course, we are at the end of another week. Also want to get into some college baseball as well. Ole Miss has become your college World Series champion. I want to talk about how they got there, who they faced, you know, the who's, the what's, you know what it is, the why's. But anyways, let's go ahead and get into it. Of course, my final thoughts on the NBA Finals. Of course, Game 6 goes in favor of the Warriors final score 103 to 90 of course over the Celtics uh, going into this one I definitely had the Warriors winning the series as a matter of fact uh, I got them winning the next uh, the next three or two something like that depending on what happens uh, but um and how you know how healthy they can stay but uh, this one I definitely had them winning just one game uh, one extra game, uh, but anyways, it was kind of like a, it, it almost felt like it was a foregone conclusion at the game five, you know, uh, Steph wasn't having his best game, and for the most part, Tatum and Brown were, were kind of doing enough offensively to maybe take the game into their favor, but again, uh, your boy Andrew Wiggins, you know, had Steph probably not had the game he did in game six, he might have won uh, finals MVP, you know. Sorry, I got the hot rods going outside. But anyways, um, you know, but speaking of Curry, he would get 34 points in that game, seven assists, seven rebounds, of course, finals MVP. In this game six, of course, he was helped out helped out by Andrew Wiggins yet again. 18 points of 18 points from him, five assists, six rebounds. We got Jalen Brown, uh, the leading scorer for the Celtics, 34 points, three assists, seven rebounds. Al Horford would help out as well. 19 points, 14 rebounds. The Celtics were held to just 17 points in the second quarter. That ain't gonna get it done. The Warriors are just too consistent at making those shots to, to keep up with. If you're not, if you're not dropping your own, uh, Jason Tatum had a uh, historically bad, uh, not just finals run, but playoff run in general. Not in terms of the scoring, but more so in terms of his turnovers. 100 total turnovers uh, throughout the course of the series. I think he averaged six throughout the finals. So. Uh, really all over all over the place for him. I think that's one of the biggest questions going uh, forward with this team is how can he improve because, you know, their success is going to ride through him. So I'm very concerned or at least very uh, 
you know, curious as to how they go about making these changes. Uh, one of my buddies, we had a decent discussion about it uh, the other day. We came to the, dis the conclusion that uh, it might be best for the Celtics to go ahead and get a prominent point guard. Just to distribute the ball a little bit. They have some uh, very prominent scores. And just in general, somebody to facilitate the offense, you know, Jason Tatum, with all that, you know, pressure on him and having so many possessions, you know, it it made him the focal point, you know, and teams were able to, you know, hone in on him defensively and force him into some bad situations. So having a great facilitator would definitely uh, help this squad out. As, as far as the Warriors are concerned, you know, uh, again, they have one of the top 10 players in the league. Uh, well, actually, one of the top players, uh, maybe one or two, one A. Uh, if you look at LeBron, or you know, still kind of stuck on LeBron, um, definitely a top ten player overall. I think you could say he's one of the best. Actually, I, you know, I don't do the top ten anymore. I don't do top tens, top fifties. Again, I do the pantheon concept. Once you reach the greatness category, once you're being known as a great or a goat. You're in it. I'm not. I'm not here to rank. I'm not here to compare because all it leads to is arguments and people putting down other superstars, other Hall of Famers. I think it's dumb just to put one over the other. I'm sorry. I'm done with it. Uh, he is a great point guard. I'm not saying he's gonna. I'm not saying he's the greatest. I'm not getting into that. I'm not quantifying that. I'm not comparing errors that I was not born in. I'm not doing that anymore. He is a great. He's he one of the best to lace him up. That's all that fucking matters. Is he better than Magic Johnson? I'm not here to tell you that any fucking more. I'm not going to be the one to tell you that shit. Get over it. I'm not here to ego stroke. I'm not here to, you know, to be a hater or whatever like that. I'm not doing that anymore. It's unnecessary. He's made countless threes. He's made countless, you know, buckets. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's won, you know, games that matter enough to prove that he's a great player, regardless of where you feel like you want to put him arbitrarily based on whatever. I don't fucking care. He's an all-time great, okay? Another thing I want to take away from this series, uh, you know, recently I came across a SF Gate article uh, you know, talking about the series went, of course, from a, you know, uh, a Warriors perspective. Because, of course, this was a local paper, the SF Gate, San Francisco. And uh, they talked about, you know, of course, the win and some sports elements. And, you know, all the things that kind of make a sports story, of course. You know, the score, they talked about what happened, all that shit. You know, but my issue is when they took it and they wanted to make all these different stupid-ass non-basketball related references to Boston like this was not just a win against the Celtics this was some win against the whole Boston ideology as though Boston is some ultra racist conservative city bullshit and 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 you know the bay area coming off as this 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 welcome uh playground of all these different races that's bullshit and it's surface liberalism just like Boston is a surface liberal city because Boston is a blue city. Boston is a democratic city and is accused of being some of the most racist basketball fans. There you go. In the Bay Area, we can talk about California as a whole and talk about how it's supposed to be inclusive. But some, the, some of the, the highest numbers of hate groups live in this state. They just go undetected. So stop it. Get out your liberal fucking facade. 
Stop trying to make everything about some fucking social experiment. It's a battle of social ideals. No, it was a fucking basketball series. Seven games, max, it went to six. The Warriors were the better team because they played better basketball. Not because Adam Carolla talked hella shit and he needed to get his come up. It's who the fuck cares about Adam Carolla anymore? He's not even relevant. Making all types of Mark Wahlberg references. Yeah, we stuck it to those guys. Get a life. Because y'all are just as toxic. You guys are fair weather. You will turn on your own team when you're losing. Stop. We know y'all outside of this bubble of the Bay Area. Believe me, Warrior fans, you are considered to be just as toxic. Stop it. Get over it. You're not there again. This is a great run. This is we, but we've seen dynasties come and go. This is basketball. Welcome to the club. This is gonna happen again. Somebody else is gonna do just what you did, if not better. Just let it go. We know it. This is good right now. Get out your recency bias. We get it. You're happy, yeah. But you're just as toxic as everybody else. Maybe not as toxic as toxic as Utah. But, um, yeah. Okay? Come on now. Lakers fans can be considered toxic. You know, what we're seeing from the Timberwolves and, and the Grizzlies fans could be considered toxic. They players is, is considered toxic. Shit, the way they carrying themselves. Both of them barely made it to the first round. Talking about they the shit. Come on now. Hey, come on. Don't. Ja, I love you. you. You my favorite point guard in the game. Stop going at it with with Steph and them it will Clay and Draymond you ain't got the titles yet that's all they gonna say and that's all the surface people gonna go ooh titles title 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 shiny things you ain't ready for that argument you ain't gonna win that argument right now okay so go ahead and let it go um as some takeaways uh, you know as far as some takeaways from the season you know of course you know the Warriors win it all was that really a surprise once you know everybody was healthy the pieces were back uh, wasn't too surprising for me. Um, I think the biggest disappointment would probably be the Suns. Uh, you know, just kind of seeming like they regressed a little bit. Uh, Chris Paul seems to just can't get over the injury bug when games really count. Uh, Devin Booker hasn't really proven himself to be the guy. And uh, DeAndre Aiden is a solid role player, but it looks like he might not be with them in the future. Well, there's a lot of trade speculation for him. Sign and trade, all that type of, you know, shit. So it'll be interesting to see how they keep up. Uh, and, you know, of course, uh, Dan, uh, sorry, uh, CJ uh, left the Blazers. Uh, that leaves a hole to be filled. You know, of course, we've been trying to fill it, I guess. Uh, we have Josh Hart there now. Um, Anthony Simons is coming up. I'm really high on him. Not so not so high on Hart, and I'll talk about it a little bit later when I talk about our draft shit. Uh, but just, uh, you know, you know, we're doing what we can, I guess. We recently pulled in Jer uh, Jeremiah Grant. Uh, again, a solid player. I, I don't think it takes us to the next level, though, um, honestly. Uh, I guess it helps us improve to an extent, but I'm... Uh, I want so much more. That's all. But, you know, you know, some other thoughts, you know, just uh, looking in at uh, the Mavericks. Uh, they had a pretty decent run, too. Uh, we saw that they could be much. Well, they, we see that they could have potential. They're not just Luka Doncic. We've seen the rise 
uh, development of Jalen Bronson. I thought that was a really cool thing to see. Also, uh, Jordan Poole's run to most improved player. I think those are two kind of single player runs that I uh, personally was able to take a look at and say, hmm, solid, solid. So uh, there's a lot of things for some teams to take in. Uh, example, I mentioned uh, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Timberwolves, Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, just, you know, they made it, you know, to their little playoff runs. You know, of course, uh, they ended up losing relatively early, but again, just afterwards or just in that that moment, you know, we got to see them kind of expose themselves as, you know, I guess you can call it talky. They, you know, they're getting into it. They're chippy with these guys, these established winners. And it's just like, dude, you know, as much as I like some of you guys, you know, as players, y'all need to win. You know, uh, Patrick Beverly, I'm not super high on him as a player. He's one of the biggest shit talkers out there. Your squad needs to win before you can talk all that shit. Y'all act like y'all won a championship. The way that y'all won that play-in game, you know. And, and people can sit there and say, well, he plays all this great defense. And, you know, and, and at the end of the day, his team barely made it to the playoffs. So, you know, all that shit talking, you know, that's just for the buzz. That's just for the, the cameras and all that. Y'all want the social media cloud, and I guess y'all want the likes and all that. But y'all need to put up some winning basketball first. And that's why, again, you're going to open up yourself uh, viciously to what these clapbacks, these Warriors, <laughs> the Warriors obviously got for y'all, but uh, it is what it is. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about the draft for a little bit. I'm not going to get into every pick, of course, uh, but the top 10 picks, or at least top 12 picks, uh, we have at number one, Paolo Banchero. He was picked up by the Magic, of course, by way of Duke. Up next, we have Chet Holmgren uh, coming out of Gonzaga. Uh, you know, he gets pick up, picked up by the Thunder. I personally thought Paolo Banchero, I think he's the superior center. I know a lot of people are really high on home green and all these different things he can do offensively. Uh, but I saw him in an NCAA tournament and his performance left a lot to be desired. I felt like when he faced upper echelon competition, competition uh, he seemed to be out of his element. Uh, seemed to not be as ferocious in getting rebounds, not as ferocious of a defender or inside present score. I think he's a decent outside. He has a decent outside shot. And those are, th I mean, that's going to be a good thing for a big man. But, you know, the size is one thing. But I also just don't think he has the gusto to go up in there and really, you know, mix it in there with some of those bigger albeit tougher guys and it's just a you know lack for a better word here but just they're just gonna have a little bit more grit and i saw him in that tournament against some of against some of those better non-west coast conference teams because let's be honest here uh gonzaga plays in a, in a very easy conference that makes it uh that gives them an easy shot to the national championship every year so it gives them kind of like this loaded record that you kind of that, that that when they kind of get into it well sorry when they get to the tournament you kind of think oh man they're a 30 plus win team they should be really solid but they always end up taking a big huge l once they get to round three and round four because again they're facing the best of the best not just the mid-tier that is their conference so my opinion he got exposed i'm not super high on him not to say that he can't develop but hey i ain't you know he ain't all that what he what they trying to claim him to be at number three, we have Ford Jabari, Ford Jabari Smith out of Auburn. He gets picked up by the Rockets. At number four, we have Ford Keegan Murray out of Purdue. He gets he goes to Sacramento. We have at number five, Jalen Jaden Ivy. Excuse me. He goes to the Pistons by way of Purdue. At number six, we got Ford Benedict Benedict Matherin 
uh, out of Arizona. He goes to the Pacers. At number seven, we have Shaden Sharp, of course, the number seven pick by my Blazers. Of course, we will get the player who hasn't played an entire year. And of course, we're going to say, he has all this upside. Look, look, look. He, he played. Look at what he did on, on in the practice. And look at what he did in high school. I'm not, I'm not convinced by a player that hasn't played a year. I'm sorry. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm ready to be wrong. I could have thought, I, I thought we could have went with a big man. But, um, again, we wanted to get Jeremiah Grant, a known product, instead of being able to build up one, whatever, uh, with some potential, whatever. That's our choice. Oh, like at the number nine pick, whatever. Uh, at number eight, we have Dyson Daniels, excuse me, out of the G League at night, going to the Pelicans at number nine. Perfect example of a forward we could have taken. Stupid ass shit. I'm, t- I'm sorry. I, I, I. I'm not, I'm not, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll take it and I'll, I'll talk about it here, but I, I'm not feeling the shade and sharp pick. I would have went with Jeremy Sochan out of Baylor, uh, uh, going to the Spurs to a situation where we know he's probably not going to start right away. The good thing about this guy was that he was already a six man coming into it. So he's used to coming off the bench, used to coming in with the reserves, kind of, uh, you know, taking over. In this route, you know, going into the league, he can learn for a little bit, get some minutes, log in minutes, and still be a valuable role player. I don't think he would have been a day one starter for the Spurs or the Blazers, but he would have been a player we would have been able to work with, even if we would have bought in Jeremiah Grant. We would have had at least a third, a solid third string body that we can bring in and develop right alongside Nurkic before we might or may not let him go. I don't know what's going to happen just yet. We have Josh Hart that's that's due 14 million. They talking about they want to keep Josh Hart. Why? Why do you want Josh Hart? I don't want Josh Hart. That's not going to win us. I'm telling I'm just saying Portland fans, I'm sorry y'all. Y'all should want more. We should want more, guys. I want more. I don't. I. I don't see this squad as being a championship contender. I want a championship contender. I'm tired of six seed. Uh, but y'all keep. At least we're gonna be six seed like that, saying something. No, that's why Draymond clowned us long time ago. And CJ, I hated they when they said it because they was true, but they was right. Y'all never win it. Yeah, they, with moves like that, we ain't gonna win shit. You right, bro? Fuck. Anyways, Ford. Osmane Diang from New Zealand. He gets uh, drafted by the Knicks, but he's traded to OKC. So, really, the Knicks didn't really do shit in the first round. They didn't get nobody. Nobody solid. I don't know what the fuck they got going on. They wanted to trade away Kimball Walker or some shit. I don't know. They wanted a salary cap. They think they're going to get Kyrie Irving. Oh, shit. He said he wants to stay in New York. That's the only thing going for them in that realm. Uh, We'll get to him a little bit more in a second, but like I said, winners, losers, uh, some trades in the draft. Of course, it was a big night for trades. Again, to my Blazers, I got them as a loser. I don't give a fuck what the media is going to try to say. I'm not fucking, I'm iffy. I'm not saying I'm not fucking with it. I'm just going to say at the very least, I'm iffy about a guy who hasn't played in a year. I guess the trade for Jeremy Grant had to affect this. Uh, I think we were really high on some other forwards, namely Jeremy Sokan, who we did bring into practice uh, to, well, to work out. Uh, I'm just, I'm just a little bit disappointed. Again, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not sold on a guy who who hasn't played in a year, dude. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I, I'm not. 
I can't do it. But anyways, uh, another loser, like I said, the Knicks, uh, they traded their uh, their first round pick and also other, the number 16 pick, oh sorry, the number 11 pick and Cuba Walker, uh, the number 42, uh, sorry, two second, ten, second round picks, excuse me, all for salary space uh, and two future uh, first round picks. Now, again, the goal here is to try to entice Kyrie or Jalen Brunson. Good luck. That's what I'm going to say. For the Hornets, they made a dumb trade. Uh, They got no quality big man, although there was some available, particularly where they were picking at uh, in their rotation. But they decided to trade highly touted for their highly touted for that they did draft. Excuse me. So they did uh, draft one, but they decided to trade them on some dumb ass shit uh, to the Pistons for a first round pick in 2025. So let me get this straight. You you trade your first round player that you picked up this year for a for a player. Two years, three years from now, Michael. Maybe you should try to manage a baseball team. I don't know. Maybe you might be better at baseball managing than basketball managing because this ain't working, dog. That didn't make no sense. Look. I might have wanted to be a player like Mike, but I don't want to be an owner like Mike. Anyways, let's talk about some winners from the draft. Detroit, uh, they were blessed by other stupidity. Jay Niven uh, will make up a three-headed monster for them. Again, they got hit that pick via trade, if I'm not mistaken. A three-headed monster at the position, including, of course, Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bay. They also added the big man, Jalen Durant, again, Eating and profit, you know, profiting off people's retardedness. Yeah, I said it. Just Hornets, Charlotte. What the fuck are y'all doing? Whoa. Anyways, wheeling and dealing. We have a lot of trades to well, a few trades to talk about. Houston uh, did their thing. Uh, they would land Terry uh, Terry Eason, if I'm not mistaken, at the number 17 pick. They would trade down. And uh, land a pretty solid guard from Kentucky by the name of Ty Ty Washington uh, with the 29th pick. He would deal with injury last season, but he was a 40% shooter from three. So look for that. Of course, it's going to go down a little bit in the three, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the league, excuse me, because again, the three point line is a little bit further, but it shouldn't be that far off if he's shooting at 40%. It's, it's, he's going to improve. Uh, Philly traded, uh, made it, uh, made some draft night deals as well. They would trade the number 23 pick and Danny Green, uh, which I believe, um, oh, I can't remember his name, uh, but he did, did end up making a selection with the number 23 pick, but they ended up trading him and Danny Green for Memphis guard DeAnthony Melton, who averaged over 10 points last year, four and a half rebounds. So again, they got, uh, they got rid of a couple bench players and, you know, again, with a rookie and a vet and Danny Green for somebody who's more than likely, he, he might end up coming off the bench, but he he's more than likely to have some more production than those two guys. That's what it's looking like to me. Some other highlights of the first round. Uh, my favorite two guards in college basketball that ended up getting drafted in the first round. At number 14, we got Ochai Agbaji from Kansas. He ended up being picked up by the Cavs. His teammate, Christian Braun, he ended up uh, being picked up by the Denver Nuggets. At number 28, the Golden State Warriors, of course, your champions. They would get the number 28 pick. They uh, they got Patrick 
Baldwin Jr. out of Milwaukee, of course, University of Milwaukee. Uh, but he played just one season, uh, but he would average 12 points and also over five rebounds. Now, we also have some sons of NBA legends who would go undrafted, but again, they would find their ways to their ways to an to an NBA team because they're on the same team. Uh, so Sharif Anil from LSU, he would uh, be signed to the, the Lakers Summer League squad. And as for Scottie Pippen Jr., of course, Sharif Anil is the son of Shaquille. Uh, and Scottie Pippen Jr., of course, you know who his mama is. And of course, his daddy. But anyways, uh, coming out of Vanderbilt, he would sign a G League Ignite contract. Of course, they would be both employed, at least for now, by the Lakers. So, Congratulations, sons. Uh, I hope y'all the best. I'm not going to be negative. I'm, I've am i heard a lot of uh, downplaying, particularly with uh, Sharif O'Neal. Um, I think it's a little bit fucked up, a little bit, because he actually had a condition he had to deal with. Uh, so it takes some time to get back a heart condition. So um, I definitely think that, you know, again, he's not his daddy, but, uh, you know, you're not going to be your daddy. you got to be your own man. So I, I don't think he's going to be, you know, I don't know if he's going to be as great or anything like that. But, you know, he has some shit he had to go through. Unlike Scottie Pippen, who just, in my opinion, just didn't light the world on fire in college. So I'm not saying he was a bad player. I'm just saying he just you know, didn't wow anybody, at least in my opinion. So, again, but they found their way. Uh, they're decent enough players, of course, because they wouldn't even be in a situation. So, like I said, congratulations, and we'll see what happens from it, you know, because, again, not all the not all the sons of the greats, they're successful. Ask Michael Jordan's sons. Damn, I got on him twice tonight. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if we were such a dick to other people, it wouldn't be so easy for me. But anyways, I'm going to take a quick break from this. When I come back, I'll be breaking down some NFL news. Uh, like I said, a few news stories to go over. So uh, I'll be right back. Alright y'all, we are back and I'm going to get into some NFL news for a little bit. A uh, few headlines I wanted to go over. And uh, first things first, I wanted to go over three head coaches on the hot seat going into this new, this uh, this upcoming season. First off, we have Matt Rule uh, coming out of Carolina. He's only had 10 total wins in the past two seasons. And last season, the team particularly struggled, of course, with Sam Darnold at the helm. Uh, 29th in scoring, which is 17 points per game. Not so uh, not so much better on defense. They were ranked 21st, allowing 23, maybe I think a little bit above 23 points per game. Of course, like I said, Sam Darnold was a starter last year for... A set four and seven with the Panthers, 59 percent uh, completion percentage, with just over 2,500 yards, with nine touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Of course, we know about his uh, wide receiver Robbie Anderson being very critical of him, going after him on the sidelines, just 
all around just not a great year for the team, particularly uh, Sam Darnold. Uh, now, they have expressed interest in Baker Mayfield, although None of that has fallen through just yet. And now we have all this drama going on with the Browns and uh, the quarterback that they thought would be there to replace him. So who knows what's going to happen. As far as what else is going on with uh, Carolina, we do have a situation here with one of their best offensive weapons, uh, that being Christian McCaffrey. Uh, He's coming off another season with a whole lot of injuries and a whole lot less playing time and uh, time out there on the field. So you have to wonder how much he has left, uh, how much... Uh, of a well, how much of a factor he's going to be going into the future, particularly you know starting with this season, and uh, you know there's a few questions here, and I can definitely see him on the hot seat and maybe even not even making it through a whole season, depending on what uh, what goes down, uh, just how bad they look. Up next, we have Frank Wright. Uh, we have an AFC coach here coming out of the uh, coming, well, representing the Colts, excuse me. Now he does have a winning record, thirty-seven to twenty-eight. Uh, he's also had two playoff appearances, but of course, no playoff wins, and that's the issue here. Now, a Week Eighteen win last season over the three and fourteen Jaguars would have put the team in the playoffs, but they decided to go ahead and choke. Now, despite all these, all the talent that team had, uh, of course, uh, we they had Carson Wentz. Uh, you can, you know, give it, you know, you can say what you will about him, but we also had uh, tremendous talent in other aspects, such as uh, Jonathan Taylor at the running back spot. We have Darius Leonard, of course, uh, Quentin Nelson on the offensive line. All these guys are pro ballers slash all pro guys. There should be no excuse why this team isn't at least winning one or two playoff games a year. So I understand, uh, you know, when I look in on it, I could understand where Reich uh, would be here. Um, I think honestly, I wouldn't say his seat is necessarily hot. I would say it is a, a little bit warm, though. I think his is. I think if we were to rank these coaches, uh, I think you can kind of look at Matt Rule. Uh, you would probably put Frank Wright kind of behind it. And up next, we have Pete Carroll. Now, he's in a different situation altogether. Now, despite him having nine playoff appearances in 12 seasons, of course, he's had two Super Bowl appearances. Uh, Carroll faces an unfa- uh, uncertain future with the departure of Russell Wilson. Now, Drew Locke and Geno Smith will compete for the starting job. And, of course, uh, they have been linked to Baker Mayfield as well. But it looks as though that might not be happening. It looks like if he were to leave Cleveland, uh, which hasn't officially happened yet, it looks like he'll be going. He would be going more than likely to Carolina. But then again, we don't we don't know everything just yet. It hasn't happened. Uh, so, you know, you know, with that being said, though, I think, you know, the team and, you know, the ownership is knowing this uh, is going to be a rebuild period. They're not expecting much. So I don't think he's, again, immediately on the chopping block either. I think when we look at everything, you know, Matt Rule, uh, he came in here with high, uh, high praise. He was replacing another coach um, from the college level that wasn't doing it right. Uh, again, I think it was Joe Brady the season before. And, um, well, not, you know, of course, the season before Rule got there, of course. And, um, you know, it, it just hasn't translated. And, of course, uh, you know, McCaffrey, he hasn't really, you know, 
been a positive factor here. They haven't been able to get quality quarterback play or just consistency consistency out of Sam Donald. And of course, we already know about their woes on defense. So I definitely think he's a he's kind of a no brainer. Uh, I think he's the closest one. Like I said, you know, it, depending on how things you know look going into next season, he could probably be fired over you know in the middle of the season possibly. As far as Carroll and Reich are concerned, like I said, Reich has a has a solid record. I think the key here is getting them deeper into the playoffs. I wouldn't I wouldn't rush to fire somebody like that just yet. But again, they are they are underperforming given the talent that they do have. I can say that. So you know I would probably say give him one or two more years, see what really can happen. Uh, again, they're they're trying to get their quarterback situation together. Uh, you know, you could probably say that they're somewhat in a bit win now mode with somebody with enough uh, experience as Matt Ryan, of course, MVP winner. Of course, he's been to a Super Bowl, so you can still say that they're in uh, win now mode. This is a good kind of season to kind of see what's up. They have better quarterback play, we can say to some extent. So this will be a year that I would count it. I mean, I wouldn't say he's necessarily on a hot season. I would say. If he doesn't, if he doesn't go far in the playoffs this year, I would say Frank Reich would be on the hot seat. Now, as far as Pete Carroll is concerned, I'm kind of, you know, in the in the in the boat where I mentioned previously before. This is a real rebuilding year, and I'm pretty sure the ownership knows that. I'm pretty sure Seattle knows that. So this might be a down year uh, for all intents and purposes. But with that being said, you know, just one season out of numerous winning seasons. Uh, I think he's, a, you know, Carroll's a decent enough coach to give him a couple seasons of rebuilding action, and he'll have a winner within a couple like or a few seasons. So I wouldn't be rushed to rushing to put him on a hot seat as well. It's just kind of weird, you know. Again, we again particularly we know his situation. He, you know, his team is missing their top quarterback that they've had for years. You know, so. You, you know, so I expect this team to take a regression. You know, I can't really blame all that on Carroll. And again, like I said, I I said give it maybe for him. You know, give it maybe two seasons, then kind of you know say hey, what's going on? To see what he can do in terms of bringing a quarterback in. Uh, not I don't know if this season is going to be the year for that. Maybe they might have to draft somebody going into next year. You know, we'll have to wait and see. Let's see who they draft. Let's see who they bring in to help this rebuild. And then we can judge Pete Carroll. But if anything, like I said, if anybody uh, is is at risk, I would definitely say Matt Rule. All right, let's move on. We have some Raiders news to talk about. And, of course, Josh Jacobs. Uh, it seems as though it's come to the end of the road in terms of his time with the Raiders. The team has made it publicly known that they will be not picking up uh, they would not be picking up his fifth-year option, pretty much making him a free agent after next season. Of course, Jacobs was a first-round pick in 2019. The team plans to pretty much move in a running back by committee situation and eventually have Zamir White take over. Uh, well, they recently drafted rookie Zamir White take over at some point as the, as the feature back. Uh, probably after next season or going into the next season. Kenyon Drake is likely to be gone at some point as well. And like I said, you know, making clearing the way for uh, White to become our back of the future. Now, uh, Jacobs is still expected to be the starter going into this season, but expect reduced touches. And it's kind of unfair because this is a contract. This would have been a contract year for him had Oakland decided to stay with him. And also being that he's more likely, like I said, going 
going into free agency, uh, it's a it's kind of sucky because you know we don't really get to see, you know other teams probably don't get to see him you know put up this you know or at least get the chance at the same amount of production and get a look at him as well and maybe make an offer for him as well. So hey, I think it kind of hurts his bag a little bit because again he's not getting that that same uh, feature back status and you know. It, it, but it is what it is. Like I said, uh, but back kind of to what his issue is to begin with and why we've gotten to this point. Uh, now, he started off his, uh, well, so far in his career, he's had over 1,200 yards, uh, 1,200 total yards from scrimmage in the past, well, his first three years. Now, the thing about it is his rushing totals have gone down uh, with, you know, over over that time as well. Now, he will make the Pro Bowl in his second season in 2020. But like I said, 2021, he took a little bit of a step back in terms of rushing 872 yards from him compared to uh, season before that, the season before that, his Pro Bowl year, uh, where he had over uh, over a thousand yards with 12 touchdowns. Uh, like I said, in 2021, 872 yards with just nine touchdowns. Uh, compare that to his rookie year with again over 1,100 uh, 100 yards. Now uh, another thing uh, that the Raiders mentioned and all that in terms of not you know sticking sticking around with him is that he hasn't shown uh, to be that much of a dynamic or game-changing type of back. And if you look at it, it seems to make sense. Uh, for example, uh, this season uh, he had, well, this past season he had 54 catches for 348 yards, no touchdowns. In this in this era, uh, it's, you know, even if you're having a running back by, you know, committee type of situation, they do like, you know, running backs who can, you know, who can make plays, who can make big yardage runs or make Maybe even make plays out of the back out of the backfield in terms of catching the ball as well. And you know, Jacobs really hasn't produced you know that well in that department either. So you know, he's not you know he's not rushing the ball at an elite level. He's also not really adding the passing game to what to his arsenal as well. Um, in terms of his total career numbers, uh, you know, he's had 107 catches for 752 yards. That's decent, but again, no touchdowns. So again, his touchdown totals in terms of rushing has gone down. He doesn't really, you know, have a pass catching element to his game that seems to be potent in terms of scoring. So it, it kind of makes sense for the Raiders to be kind of looking in a different direction. I know it's kind of it's kind of weird because he's you know relatively early in his career. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to trying to see what type of trade value he would get instead of just letting him walk come free agency. But again, I'm not the GM, and uh, there's a lot more drama the Raiders have uh, brewing for them, and I have to talk about that at some point on the on the, the podcast as well because. Again, like I said, there's a lot more drama than just player personnel going on with this team. But uh, finally, before I let y'all go in terms of this football segment, of course, uh, you know, the question has arisen again, at least for me. Uh, this was stoked by, well, the topic uh, for this last segment here is Manning versus Brady. Once again, uh, I don't know if I've shared my take on this, but recently I've... Um, I was stoked again about making these thoughts and thinking about this uh, this matchup again by some comments made recently by Bart Scott Bart Scott excuse me former All Pro linebacker for the Jets and the Ravens he'll be going on uh, to be quoted as saying you know I much rather go against Tom Brady every day of the week than to go against Peyton Manning 
I believe that's how everybody feels. In the heyday of Tom Brady, uh, I'm sorry, he goes, in the heyday, in their heyday, you never have players thinking, I'm so afraid of Tom Brady. Peyton Manning gives you a uh, total, gives you a total sense, a different level, a different level of anxiety. With Tom Brady, it was more about Bill Belichick, the entire team, the execution, and having a game plan. Now, I, you know, with all that that he just said, I think he did more to prove why Tom Brady was the issue here. Now, you know, people are going to have their opinion about, you know, who's better um, in terms of the eye test. And I think at the end of the day, that's all it really comes down to, because in reality, let's keep it real here. Tom has more playoff wins. He has more Super Bowl wins, of course. Uh, he may have more MVPs, if I'm not mistaken about that as well. Of course, more Super Bowl MVPs. So, you know, if we're talking about, you know, the stats, you know, in terms of, let's say, for instance, the accolades. Yeah, Brady has that. Now, Manning may have, you know, superior stats. Uh, but let's be real here. He wasn't winning a whole lot of playoff games until almost the middle of his career. So... You know, it is what it is. And let's, let's keep it real here. Football, just like basketball, these are team sports. So as as great as these players can be individual on an individual basis at times, and sometimes these individual uh, performances, particularly in a sport like, uh, you know, even in, inside a team sport, sometimes a individual performance can be the key in terms of a, in a, a certain victory. And, you know, not to say that that hasn't been the case for um, Manny or Brady. But at the end of the day, more consistently, this has been a team sport. So being that it's a team sport, looking at it that way, you know, by you just by, you know, Bar Scott just mentioning Belichick, an entire team having to have a good game plan. That's enough right there to solidify Tom. Uh, Tom, you know, he's more than just himself. He's whatever running game they had going at the time. You know, whatever whatever group of receivers they had going at you. Of course, they had, you know, defensive, you know, Hall of Famers all throughout the mix. If it wasn't Willie McGinnis, it was, you know, Asante Samuel. Now it's people like the guys, guys like Kyle Van Noy and uh, C.J. Jackson, who was recently traded, mind you. So, you know, I... I get it. You know, if Peyton Manning was on a different team, he probably, let's say for instance, Peyton Manning played for the Patriots. He might be, you know, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, given the best, you know, given his team situation and his ability to win. Um, let's just keep it real here. We're talking, this is a team sport, and for what it's worth, India, uh, Indianapolis hadn't always been the most complete team for Peyton throughout his time there. So let's just keep it real. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Um, you know, on the other hand, you know, with Tom, he had he had it going for him. All, you know, and, you know, whether it was coaching, you know, his offense or, you know, the other side of the ball, defense, special teams made plays throughout his runs. So his, play, his deep playoff runs. So, you know, there was a whole lot going in, Bra in Brady's favor. For me, it's not that hard. You know, I think both of them had earned their keep. Um, we know, I mean, again, I'm not for the, the 
placing of quarterbacks above one or the other. They're both greats, you know. I don't well athletes in general. You know my 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 pantheon concept. I don't believe in a a greatest of all time or these all time rankings anymore. Um, like I said, they both they both proven that they're they're the best. I think that again the concept of even looking at it this way, Brady or Manning or whatever. You know, again, it's a little bit convoluted because if we look at it, you know, Manning probably does have more individual stats and records than a lot of other quarterbacks. But again, we look at Brady, he has the hardware. Which do you find more significant? That's where it becomes subjective. So that's why I try not to get into who's better, you know. Like like we mentioned about Steph Curry, Curry earlier, you know, he's made it to that point where he could be considered the greatest. I'm not or, you know, among those guys. He's on he's in the same platform as Jordan and LeBron. You can mention him in those same breaths. So I'm not gonna sit here and say he's better than them though. I'm not gonna say that they're better than him. They're all go they're all great. You know, in terms of Manning and Brady again, same thing. They're both great. Um, you know, I don't think again, I don't think Scott's argument helps him, um, in that regard. And I think if that's what people's argument is in terms of going against in terms of going in favor of one or the other, I think that's a that's an argument that doesn't really work because again it, it just still showcases again the advantages that Brady had and it makes Brady look again again they it might it might look as advantages in terms of his favor but at the same time we have to look at it as it is a team sport so you need all that to win games and let's be real here the reason why Peyton didn't win as much as Tom did again he might I think he does have the individual records I'm not going to take that from him he's probably has more passing yards than him I don't know if that's going to stay the case depending on how long Tom still decides to play uh, but I'm pretty sure he might have more touchdowns than him and all that but again in terms of getting those championships, in terms of getting that, you know, that team success, again, you have to have the team to do it. And let's be real here. To reiterate, the Colts never didn't always have that. So, again, I, I, you know, for what it's worth, they were both great. They were both a scary uh, task to go up against on Sunday for any defense. Now, for what it's worth, the Patriots as a team would always seem to put, seem to pose more problems. So if we're looking at it from all standpoints and at the end of the end of the day, remembering it's a team sport, then yeah, Tom had more advantages. And for what it's worth, Tom was a little bit more successful. With that being said, though, Peyton had to rely more on his own skill. So to get his win. So, uh, you know, whatever, you know, his success that he got. So, again, you know, I, I'm not again, I'm not for saying anybody is better than the other. They both made their case to be great. And we, again, just to reiterate, we got to get out of that whole, I'm going to put this guy down. This guy's better because of this. It, it's, a, it's, who really cares? They're successful. They, you know, they've made, they carved out their careers. Uh, they've won their Super Bowls. If you look at Peyton now, he's a proud uncle, or a proud uncle watching his son Arch go to the University of Texas. You know, to take on Quinn Ewers, the number number one quarterback, to become a starter at some point. You know, he's he's moved on. Tom is going to move on at some point. He already has a major deal in the works with you know Fox News to become an anchor. So I mean, well, you know, sports comment comment commentary. You know, cat. So you know, they've they've you know the game's been good to them. That's what that's what that's the point here for tonight. 
All right, y'all. I'm gonna take another quick break. We have a we have some more show to get through, so uh, I'll be back in just a little bit, y'all. continues i'll be getting into some baseball before we get into the mlb uh at least uh the highlights from the weekend i do want to highlight uh the co- some college baseball of course i mentioned before the college world series wrapped up over the weekend with old miss uh winning its first uh world series title in its program history we're going to talk about how they got here and pretty much the who's who, you know, at least who they beat to get here, uh, kind of Oklahoma's path as well. So for Oklahoma, uh, they will come out of the Gainesville Regional, uh, Gainesville Region, excuse me, uh, you know, in terms of their bracket, they will face off against number 13. Well, that will consist of number 13, Florida, Liberty, as well as Central Michigan. Uh, Oklahoma will get it done two games to one in the Super Regional against Virginia Tech. Uh, they came into the tournament ranked uh, number 22 at the end of the season. They would also win the Big 12. Uh, and also, they were 40th in terms of their batting average. So, a decent team in terms of offense. Also, uh, 36 in scoring, uh, with about s- averaging about over seven. Uh, over seven runs a game, almost eight there. They're also 12th in on base percentage with a 415, uh, 21st in runs scored, uh, that being on the individual level with Peyton Graham. Uh, they were also 15th uh, as a team, I believe that was in strikeouts, and also, sorry, 33rd in strikeouts, sorry, 15th in strikeouts, also 33rd in strikes and uh, their strike and walk ratio. So what I mean by that is uh, they were giving up two strikeouts per every walk. So two over two strikeouts per every walk. So pretty decent in that category as well. Uh, that team in terms of their pitching was led by sophomore Jake Bell. Uh, uh, Burnett, uh, sorry, Jake Burnett, uh, sorry, Jake Bennett, excuse me, in the regular season with 123 strikeouts. That was good enough for 13th in the nation. For Ole Miss, they would come up out of the Coral Gables region. Uh, that would be consisting of number six, Miami, also Canisius, a small school in the East Coast, and also uh, Arizona. They would go on to sweep Southern Mississippi in the Super Regional, and they would come into the tournament 39 and 22. Uh, they would close the regular season on a seven game winning streak. Streak. Uh, they came out of nowhere, uh, pretty much. Uh, they were going into May, actually. They were just in, they were in middle of the road, 22 and 17. They're also 7 and 14 uh, in the SEC. They struggled, but they were able to get hot at just the right time, of course, leading to their ultimate victory in this tournament. 
Uh, actually, they would only lose one game to be exact. Now, in terms of the who's who of this squad, uh, offensively, uh, they were 18th in home runs, uh, in team home runs with 60. Uh, Tim Elko was a big part of that, their first baseman. Uh, 25th in RBIs with 71. He would also have 22 of those 60 home runs. Uh, this team was also 30th in slugging percentage. Now, before we get to the championship round, kind of talk about what happened there, a uh, couple of the biggest, uh, well, the biggest, in my opinion, disappointment would be Tennessee this year. Uh, Tennessee was the number one team going into this, obviously the best record in the nation. Uh, they were also number one in terms of pitching, uh, a different, uh, also different hitting categories. But they uh, actually took the L, I believe, to Notre Dame in the Super Regional. So they didn't make it out of the Super Regional. So, again, we had that going on. Uh, but, again, not to take anything away from those two teams, I just was a little bit surprised that both of these teams, in terms of stats, uh, were actually kind of middle of the road. They really didn't lead. Uh, they really didn't... Um, they really didn't catch my eye in terms of anything statistical, excuse me. But when it came down to, uh, you know, winning baseball games, that's exactly what happened for both of these squads. Again, uh, they either swept their way here or, again, they were able to, you know, just get it done in those crucial spots to get to this point. Uh, but, you know, to so break down the final, of course, they played the final, well, both games of the finals on, I believe it was Sunday. And uh, so, again, one day, uh, one shot, two games to get it all said and done. Uh, in game one, Oklahoma took the L three to ten. In this one, I mentioned Tim Elko before, but again, same thing here. Home run from him. Also, center fielder, uh, center fielder Justin Bench home run. He also brought in the extra RBI after that. TJ McCants will get you a two-run home run, and Jay, uh, sorry, Jack Daughtry will get this on the mound, and he will get the win. Of course, like I like I mentioned before, five innings of work for him. Gave up two run, two two earned runs, but also had six strikeouts. Uh, again. Uh, for Oklahoma, a bit of a struggle for them, just the three runs. Uh, Blake Robertson, the center fielder, Tanner, uh, Tanner, uh, t I think that's uh, Tanner Trinway. I'm sorry, sorry, I can't, I can't, I don't think I got the name right here, but uh, Tanner Trinway, both will get RBIs on the mound. Jake Bennett again had been a crucial part of this team so far, but he just couldn't get it done in this first game here. Six innings of work, seven, uh, sorry, seven hits, three. Three earned runs, also 10 strikeouts. We take a look at game two. It's a little bit closer, but again, Ole Miss again gets the win here. Four to two. For Ole Miss, shortstop Jacob Gonzalez will get a home run. Also bring in, he would also bring in two RBIs. Hunter Elliott will get the start on the mound and the win. He went for about six innings, giving up just three hits. Only two earned runs and also six strikeouts. For Oklahoma, uh, second baseman Jack, uh, Jackson Nicholas and also left fielder Win uh, Wendell Pettis will get some RBIs. And Cade Horton uh, would have an NCAA record, uh, at least in the College World Series, for strikeouts. 13 Ks uh, in seven innings, but again, he will give up a couple runs, and that would be uh, the well, not necessarily the deciding factor because, again, they would bring in Trevor uh, Tr Trevor Mitchell and uh, sorry, Trevor. Uh, Michaels in for relief. Uh, he would give up two more runs, so again, that would be the deciding factor as well. Uh, but just some more takeaways. Ole Miss is the first team since Stanford, uh, sorry, since LSU uh, back in 2000 when they would face off against Stanford to come come from behind uh, by, I believe it was at least two or three runs. Uh, at least, actually, be trail. Uh, no, the first team to win 
after trailing more than seven innings. Uh, again, that dates back to 2000 and LSU. Now, for what it's worth, a lot of people have made such a big hubbub about LA, sorry, SEC football being dominant. I've always said they were top heavy. I don't believe that. But with that being said, when it comes to baseball, the SEC is king there. I'm going to keep it real with you. The last eight winners, all from the SEC, all different. It ain't like it's football where Alabama went every year, and then maybe every now and again you might see somebody else win something uh, from the SEC. No, every different year it seems like somebody else is representing the SEC in terms of these championships. It, again, it ain't all Alabama. It ain't one year Georgia. No, it's every just about everybody. Uh, is pretty damn good. Even Vanderbilt is good at baseball. <laughs> but like I said, SEC, uh, they're great at baseball. I mean, again, I, I think they're a little bit top-heavy when it comes to football. Uh, but again, they've, they're have they definitely the premier baseball conference. Um, now, there was some controversy in this game, too. Uh, there was a run taken away by Oklahoma in the sixth for some type of runner's interference. Uh, you know, but again... You know the you know the the reliever Trevor Mitchell sorry Trevor Michaels gives up two more runs. I think that's your deciding factor right there. The game was really could have could have went either way, but again those extra runs, you know again put the game in Ole Miss's favor. Now in terms of uh, some more Ole Miss news, uh, pitcher uh, Dylan Delucia will be named the College World Series MVP. He will get 17 strikeouts throughout the tournament, only gave up one earned run. He was 2-0 and throughout uh, the tournament. Didn't play in the finals though, but he had an ERA of 0 0.54. Uh, those are definitely scary numbers. I would not be surprised if you find some of these guys on an MLB roster near you. So congratulations to Ole Miss. I definitely think they are. Uh, the SEC is definitely a beast at baseball. Now that I know, now that I know what I know. Congratulations from them. It was a good run. Like I said, eight of the past college uh, world college World Series winners have come from the SEC. So good look for Ole Miss. Uh, again, they have something uh, something to showcase. Um, again, not to take anything away from Oklahoma, they had a great run as well. They've had to they all these both of these teams had to take out some great ranked teams um, in terms of the baseball scene to get here. So again, great run, great final matchup. Again, controversial play aside. Ole Miss got it done when they counted, and again, they get the championship. So let's move on uh, to the MLB. Let's move on to some highlights of the weekend and a few things to go over. Now, first things first, on Saturday, the Astros will find themselves in the, find themselves in the midst of a no-hitter, uh, beating the Yankees 3-0. to zip. Uh, in this one, the Astros will get off, uh, sorry, help offensively from first baseman JJ Montehevic, uh, and also Jose Altuve will get. They will both bring in some solo home runs. We got Yuli Gurriel getting an RBI, and on the mound, Mr. No Hitter himself, Christian Javier. Again, this is my first time hearing about him. Maybe some of Justin Verlander's gusto and his skills have rubbed up on rubbed up on him as well. Currently five and three on the year, seven innings of work for him, zero runs, of uh, course, and uh, he had about uh, sorry zero hits as well. Thirteen strikeouts, one walk, but again. 
phenomenal numbers. Ryan Presley gets to save his 15th of the year. Again, when things got a little rocky, Hector Neres was even able to come up with a hold, keeping the runners in place, giving up no runs as well. So the bullpen showed up. Again, Javier shows up, making it be known that he's just, again, the Astros just ain't going to lose. <laughs> anytime soon. They, well, they're not going to have a losing season anytime soon. I don't know if they, well, they, I don't know if they necessarily a World Series favorite, but I wouldn't be surprised if they made themselves, well, found themselves there. As far as the Yankees were concerned in that game, Gary Cole uh, put in seven innings, uh, four hits, an earned run, eight Ks, uh, but again, no offensive help. So again, it, it doesn't, you know, again, you can only do so much on your end. Gary Cole can only do so much, but if you ain't going to get, if he ain't going to get no run support, it ain't gonna help. It ain't gonna work. Uh, moving on, the Giants. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, since that fight against, uh, well, the the fight that Jock Peterson. I got no. You can't even call it a fight. <laughs> since uh, Tommy Pham slapped up Jock Peterson, I, for what it's worth, the Giants have not been able to uh, get the best of this team. Um, they ended up losing Saturday nine to two. Again, for the Reds, uh, Brandon Drury and, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, they get the win Saturday, sorry, 9-2, uh, Brandon Drury and also Nick Sensel for the Reds will be, uh, will be able to bring in some RBIs, uh, but not too much outside of that. On the mound, Mike Miner will get the start. Uh, he would go. He would sorry take the L like I like I mentioned. One and four in the year for him. Five innings, eight hits, six earned runs, three home runs. He also gave up four strikeouts. Wilma Flores would have a decent game in this one. Actually, a good game in this one. Two run home run. Shortstop Thyro Estrada would get a home run as well as Evan Longoria, who would also bring in a, a, another RBI on top of that. Alex Webb gets the one in this one. Seven and two, six innings of work just gave up one run but also had six strikeouts however the Giants would lose Friday and on Sunday with a score to 10 to 3 again losing the series 10 to 3 so for what it's worth the Giants just do not seem to have this team's number and the Reds are not that good so damn explain explain but again we all know that the Giants are going to bigger and better places hopefully we'll see how the season plans out we, we know who the well <laughs> we know who the better team is on paper, I guess. <laughs> now, finally, uh, we would have the most exciting uh, news here coming on Sunday uh, with the Ma the Mariners and the Angels. Now, the of course, they are AL West rivals. Uh, things have been getting chippy lately, leading to a fight on Friday between uh, both squads clearing the benches. Uh, again, this is kind of how it started. Uh, I believe the night before uh, a... Well, an outfielder, an outfielder for the uh, for the Mariners, Justin Upton. Now, mind you, I'm sorry, uh, I almost got his team wrong, but he's just been around for so long, been on many different teams. So I, you know, it's hard to keep up with him sometimes until you know something happens. They're in the news or something. But anyways, uh, Justin Upton uh, was in a situation. I believe it was. I want to say it was Friday night, the original game of the series. Or it could have been a previous matchup with the Angels in which a pitch was thrown at his head. Now, uh, according to the pitcher, the Angels pitcher that threw it, uh, I don't know his name off the top of my, off, off the top of my head right now. I can't remember it. Uh, but he went on to say that it was the MLB's fault. They gave him a slippery ball. It slipped out of his hands and it went straight for the guy's head. Of course, the Mariners ain't having that. You know, they took it to heart. And so, uh, I believe it was Saturday night, uh, near the end of the game, 
uh, Mike Trout, Mike Mike Trout, excuse me, uh, was at the plate. They threw a couple passes, threw a couple balls near his way. One went past his head. It will be some words exchanged. Of course, the bad blood would not cease because, of course, Sunday, uh, yeah, Sunday. Here comes the drama now. Um, Angels pitcher Andrew Watts, Andrew Watts, excuse me, was ejected after hitting uh, Mariners outfielder Jesse Winker uh, pretty much on his hip uh, with a pitch. Now this was deemed to be, of course, deliberate, and they decided to, you know, eject him. Now, before all this would happen, of course, there was a big fight. I believe uh, some some words were said to Winker from uh, the Angels dugout. He jumps over there. As soon as he makes his move over there, his bench clears, and you have both teams kind of going at it. I love baseball fights because you see everybody get into it. It ain't like, you know, an NBA fight where, you know, you see a couple players pushing each other, then you see the whole rest of the team trying to hold them back. Like, nah, guys, don't do it. You might see some shit go down in the NFL, you know, like on some Michael Crabtree type shit. But it's a one-on-one. Same thing in hockey. Some one-on-one type, you know, battle. They just swinging at each other. You know, you see two enforcers on the in the rink, you know, just throwing punches. But baseball fights are so dope because they're almost ritualistic. Like, they, like it's almost like they don't necessarily have to happen but it's like it's all part of the the whole you know the whole flavor and the situation. It's always there to spice it up. So anytime where they can take a chance to kind of get that extra reaction, I feel like the players do that. And they are, and it's the whole squad. It's like a whole thing where you have to fight for, with them and all that. So if you don't, then they're looking at you like you're crazy. So it's a it's it's kind of a funny thing. It's an entertaining thing in my opinion. Nobody ever really truly gets hurt. There's never really true any real bad blood. It's just. You know, you cooped up for 180-something games, you know, or sorry, 160-something games. You know, you're in the deep, you in that ladder, or in the middle of summer, a lot of these places are going to be hot. You know, everybody in their emotions, you're just out there waiting, you know, kind of, you know, some game of waiting in baseball. You know, tempers kind of flare. Again, both of these teams, uh, they're below the 500 mark, but they're kind of competing within the division. Uh, you know, things could happen within the wild card realm, so it's important for them to kind of get above 500. Both of these teams uh, are kind of struggling, and even, you know, the Rangers, so Outside of the Astros, it's like this this three team race to kind of see what you know see what can develop. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see. And um, again, it's just it's just drama, you know, and and rivals. And again, like I said, things are getting more competitive. We're getting deeper in the summer. You know, wild card. You know, wild card rankings are going to be going out, or standings are going to be going out soon. So we'll get a chance to see. You know, even more who's going to be qualifying for the playoffs as we move along. So these games are going to be a lot more important. And again, like you know, tempers are going to flare. So let's move on to the start of the week. Of course, Monday. Uh, let's move on to some uh, hot, some sorry some headlines to start off the week. Uh, first things first is that we're gonna have Bryce Harper of the Phillies. Uh, he suffered a broken thumb. I believe he suffered. Yeah, he was hit by a pitch. He will be missing six weeks. This is uh, sort of puts the Phillies in a bind right now. You know, you know he's one of their best players offensively. They're at a stage right now where they've you know they could. They're, you know, who knows what happens in their, you know, their division right now. I think the Mets look very good right now. I don't think they give up their position as the top seed. Uh, but 
there's a chance that they could do something within the wild card realm. So just having everybody there, having everybody available for these games, that help six weeks in a, in a time like this where, again, you're very close in whatever wild card rankings that are about to come out. You're kind of close within your divisional, at least between you know you and the Braves. You know you don't want your you don't want your best players to be out, but unfortunately, uh, Bryce Harper is out. Let's hope. Let's wish him the the speediest of recoveries. Let's see what happens to the Phillies. Let's hope that they can kind of keep their shit together. Now, moving on, we do have a trade to speak about. Uh, the Mariners and the Royals, they do some business. Uh, they end up trading. Uh, sorry, the Mariners and the Royals. Yes, they end up trading. Uh, the, the Royals, excuse me. The Royals end up trading uh, catcher Carlos Santana uh, out there to Seattle for two relievers, Wyatt Mills and also William Fleming. Uh, for Santana, he's a veteran at 36 years old. He's played in 52 games so far this season. And so far in this month of June, he's he's uh, definitely picked things up. He's hitting at the, he's hitting the 357 average. Eight runs scored, five doubles, two home runs, 11 RBIs. It's a 470, 478 on base percentage and a 544, sorry, 554 slugging percentage, of course, through the month of June. He also has a 1.32 OPS. Uh, so far this season, he's hit four home runs, 11 RBIs. So, like I said, uh, we had uh, four home runs. 21 RBI. So like I said, within the past month or so, he's definitely picked up everything. Now, now he started his ML, MLB career back in 2004 with the LA Dodgers. He eventually be traded to the Guardians or who the team that is now the Guardians out there in Cleveland. Now he was spend some. Uh, he was spend. From 2010 to 2017 in Cleveland, he would also come back from 2019 to 2020. He'd also spend time with the Phillies and, of course, as we mentioned before, the Royals. 200 and, sorry, 244 career average, 263 home runs, and also 886 RBIs from Santana. Really decent numbers. And as far as what the Royals are getting, uh, in terms of uh, Wyatt Mills, he appeared in eight games for Seattle this season. Uh, he's compiled an ERA of 415. Uh, he's also played some AAA ball down there in Tacoma. He's won one game there with a 1.83 ERA. 19 total games so far with the Seattle organization before being traded. Now, Fleming uh, has been in the minor league circuit for some time now, uh, most notably in, I believe, it's Lower A out there in Modesto, California. He's made 14 starts so far in his career. Uh, at, well, at least this season, 6-6 six and six so far with a 4.92 ERA, 24 strikeouts. So, again, uh, the... So the gist of it all is the Mariners get a solid veteran who can hit the Royals. Again, they look to bring some youth in uh, to their farm system, at least with uh, Fleming. Uh, who knows what they're able to do with uh, Wyatt Mills right now. Uh, but they do bring in some youth to their pitching rotation, at least not their, their MLB or their starting rotation right now, but at least some youth uh, in the pitching department to work with. Uh, moving on, let's get to the scores in the standings before I uh, before I wrap everything up in this segment. Now, first things first, uh, we're going to start off Monday uh, with an upset. Uh, the Rockies, they get an upset win against the Dodgers 4 to zip. Uh, the Rockies move to 32 and 42, and the Dodgers are 45 and 27. Again, uh, no runs from the Dodgers. There's three hits. They were 0 and 3 with runners in scoring position. 
again, that's not going to get it done when you when you, when the game is relatively close like this. You need to get all the runs you can get, uh, particularly when you're when you got runners in scoring position. It is it is, it is what it is. Uh, but again, it's one of those games. You know, you, you know, you win some, you lose some. It's a long season. We know that the Rockies really ain't going nowhere. This loss ain't really gonna hurt the Dodgers. But anyways, on the mound, Tyler Anderson would take his first loss of the season. He's eight and one so far in terms of his record. Gave up six hits in this one. Uh, sorry, uh, he gave up six hits. Sorry, ten hits, four earned runs, and six innings. Excuse me. Uh, he also gave up a home run as well. So again, a lot of yeah, just not just just not a great showing from Anderson. This his first bad. It looks like his first bad appearance so far. Actually, though, uh, for the Rockies, Jose Iglesias would get a two-run home run in the first his first home run of the season. We also got C.J. Cron and also Elias Diaz, their catcher, getting the RBI as well. On the mad, on the mound, not the mat. On the mound, Chad Cool will get the W here. Five and five is his current record. Nine innings from him, three hits, no earned runs, five hits. So again, you know, pretty solid outing, and the Rockies get an upset win. Up next, we got the Rangers getting a win against the Royals, ten to four. We got the Cardinals uh, beating up on the Marlins. On the Marlins, on the Marlins. I don't know what I was saying. The Cardinals beat up the Marlins nine to zip. The Cardinals are now forty-two and thirty-four. The Marlins are thirty-nine and sorry, thirty-three and thirty-nine. For the Marlins again, uh, they struggled to score here. Zero and four, zero for four runners in scoring position. They left six runners on base. Pablo Lopez will take the L in this one. Three and four, sorry, five and four in the year. Worked for about five innings in this one. Gave up six hits, five earned runs, including two home runs, and also he would have five strikeouts but who the fuck cares when you give up what five runs yeah it don't matter uh for the cardinals designated hitter juan yepes two home runs from him five total rbis paul goldschmidt will get a home run and also another rbi and on the mound adam wainwright and his farewell tour gets the win six and five on the mound this year in terms of his appearances seven uh innings of work from him seven hits no earned runs no earned runs though and again nine strikeouts moving on we have the twins solidifying their chokehold of the al central lease for now uh they get the win against the guardians 11 to 1 42 to 33 is a current record the guardians move down to 36 and 33 and for the twins gary sanchez will get a three-run home run nick gordon and also carlos correa will get two run home runs as well and on the mound sunny gray will get the win four and one on the year so far seven innings of work three hits three strikeouts of course no earned runs and for the guardians uh miles straw will bring in the team's only run and tristan mckenzie shot of brooklyn he would unfortunately take the l in this one he's four and six on the season six innings eight hits seven earned runs seven k's it was just a struggle for the guardians wasn't nothing gonna work and like i said the twins hold on to the first place spot in the division up next my a's they take an l here to the yankees that's not new this year the A's losing. Uh, at least the good news is there's a good chance we might be staying in Oakland. That's the good thing, you know. <laughs> now, how good we're going to be, that's a whole other question. Anyways, the Yankees get the win 9-5. to five. The Yankees are currently 54-20. and 20. The A's move to 25-50. and 50. The A's got three RBIs from Andrew, sorry, Elvis Andrews. Ramon Laureano will put in the RBI as well. On the mound, Paul Blackburn will get the start. 
Uh, giving up three runs, five hits. He would have seven strikeouts in five innings. A.J. Puck will be charged with a loss. He is 1-1 one one on the year. He was also charged with a blown save. So there was a chance we could have won the game. But again, we choked it away. But we ain't got nobody to really compete right now. So and Oh, and apparently we are tanking. But that wasn't obvious since we traded Matt Olsen, Matt Chapman, Mark Canha, Anthony Bassett, of course. Who who would have thought? Who you know, Marcus Simeon a, a season ago, whatever. Who oh yeah, now we're tanking. Yeah, isn't that obvious? Anyways, for the Yankees, Anthony Rizzo and Carlos Stanton will get home runs. Josh Donaldson, uh, he gets two RBIs. Jordan Montgomery will get the start. Six innings, six hits, five earned runs, six Ks. Doesn't get the win that is given to Albert Abreu, uh, who ends up with four strikeouts of his own. Pretty decent showing from the Yankees offensively. Again, the A's had a chance, but again, uh, they gave up the runs late. They can't score no runs to keep up either, so, you know, it's a bad situation. Moving on, we have the Red Sox getting it done against the Blue Jays in some AL East action. Sorry, the Blue Jays are getting it done against the Red Sox, again, in some AL East action, 7-2. to two. We got the Nationals getting a win here against the Pirates. Three to two, and to wrap everything up, we have the Chicago White Sox getting the L, taking the L here to the to the Angels four to three. The Mariners they lose to the Orioles nine to two. Let's take a look at the standings here in the American League East. We have the uh, the Yankees on top. We mentioned before they are fifty four and twenty six and four in the last ten back to back wins for them. Three hundred and seventy six runs scored, plus one forty eight run differential. Both best in the league. Uh, moving on, we have the Red Sox here, 42 and 32, 12 games back, 8 and 2 in the last 10, and just kind of like how I thought it would be. Uh, again, I had the, the the leader of the of the uh, AL East off. I had the Blue Jays being the team leading, but second, third, and even fourth place, I knew it would be relatively close. I couldn't distinguish between none of these teams. I knew it. Again, like I said, I had the first place team wrong, but everybody else between second and third, I knew it was just going to be this, this, I don't know. Uh, again, like I said, the Red Sox are 42 and 32. The Blue Jays are 41 and 32. The Rays are 40 and 32. Again, you can't even distinguish, distinguish these guys. They've gone up and they've gone down. They're all relatively on the same level damn near uh the, the thing about the red sox though they are they are on the upward trajectory going eight and two in the last 10 so i could give them that the orioles of course bottom of the division but they played pretty decently lately uh 19 and a half games back though seven and three in their last 10 uh moving on we have the central division we have the twins here on top 42 and 33 again they got the win against the guardians today uh or to yeah uh, maybe early on this evening uh five and five in the last 10 three wins in a row 13 and 15 against teams above 500 so they have struggled there same with the guardians 10 and 18 versus teams above 500 the guardians are currently 36 and 33 in their, in their overall record three games back four and six in the last 10 but they've suffered five l's in a row uh behind them we have the chicago white Sox, 34 and 38 still struggling here um, who knows what happens with this team in the offseason? This team really would rest. Uh, we had the Tigers here at 28 and 24, and of course the the Royals bringing up the bottom as well as usual. Uh, going to the West, we have the Astros here at 47 and 27, seven and three in the last ten. The Rangers are 35 and 37, ten games behind them. It ain't really close. 
but again, these these three teams may be competing. Uh, these next couple of teams, including the Rangers, could be competing for a wild card. Just depends on how other things go. Uh, we have the Mariners here at 34 and 31, the Angels at 36 and 40. Uh, so again, both of these guys are below 500. Uh, the the Angels have won back-to-back -back games. They're six and four in the last ten. The Mariners on a downward trajectory, at least as of recent back to recently with back-to-back -back losses. The A's are 25 and 50, 240 runs scored. That is the least amount in the major league. Uh, they have the worst run differential at negative 111. It's just all bad. Nothing really. Nothing to write home about in the least bit. Moving on to the National League, where we have the Eastern Division. Of course, we have the Mets here at 47 and 20, 20, 47 and 27, six and four in the last 10, 23 and 17 uh, at away from home. So they can win at home. They can win away. Those are factors, just in case they don't get you know home home plate advantage. I guess you would call that uh, 25 and 17. Versus teams against five uh, teams above 500, and that's still his best record in baseball. Behind them in the division, we have the Braves, 42 and 32, five games back. We have the Phillies at 39 and 35. They're coming off of back-to-back -back wins, but we'll see how things progress without Bryce Harper, one of their best players. Hopefully, they'll be able to maintain. Uh, behind them, we have the Marlins at 33 and 39. We have the Nationals here at 29 and 48. Oh, sorry, the Washington Juan Sotos. 29-48, 20 games back, 5-5 five five in the last 10, back-to-back -back wins. But, again, we know they ain't going nowhere. Uh, behind, uh, We're going to the NL, sorry, the NL Central. We have the Brewers here at 42-33, and 7-3 and three in the last 10. Back-to-back -back wins for them. The Cardinals are behind them, or just a half game behind them at 42-34, and 5-5 five and five in the last 10. We have the Pirates in third place at 29-44, the Cubs at 28-45, and 45, and the Reds, of course, as we mentioned, Although they seem to be have the night the, the Giants number, they just don't seem to have anybody else's number. Twenty-five and forty-seven, fifteen and a half games back, two and eight in the last ten. And going to the West, we have the Dodgers here at forty-five and twenty-seven. They are in first place. That hasn't changed. They are six and four in the last ten. Although uh, the Padres have making things very close, one and a half games back at forty-five and thirty-four and six in the last ten. Back-to-back -back L's, though. Uh, we have the Giants here, four and six in the last ten as well. Six games back, they are 39 and 33. And rounding out the bottom of the NL West, we have the D-backs, the Diamondbacks, 33 and 41, and the Rockies, 32 and 42. 14 games back, five and five, five and five in the last ten. One good thing is they're bringing back one of the best offensive players in Chris Bryant pretty soon. So, you know, there you go. You got something going for you. All right, y'all. I'm going to take a one last quick break. We'll be looking to wrap everything up for tonight. I hope you guys are enjoying so far. I'll be right back. When they play that new Geezy, all the dope boys go crazy. All the dope boys go crazy. I lace my converse and I swing my chain. You ain't ready to die by the jump back in your lane. It's like hoes in this motherfucker, but it's just me and Hit. We bought the stove in this motherfucker. Cook something. Whoop you niggas ass like you went inside your mama purse and took something. We in them twin rivalries. This gonna be a good summer. I can see the future. Let's call them and get a hook. Something. Scream from the rooftop. Free young thugs so I can reverse the bar. They jig on one blood. Still fresh like uh. Cold white Air Forces got me dressed like young. Andre, the dot. Sometimes I pull up on him and the door still locked. I don't knock, but the hit boy beats too. Welcome to the surf club. All right, y'all. I'm going to wrap this up tonight. 
with a segment of a pump for the review and of course as you may have guessed I'll be going over the game's new single yeah violence now let's just go into the positives real quick now the obvious is the beat is knocking hit boy is a well-known producer has gotten really hot over the years and uh, he just don't miss uh, this is another example of that the beat is on fire uh, it knocks like like much like gang said in, in the verse uh, I love the violins in there as well as a different touch there's some sonic uh, uh, there's some things going on with the sonical dimensions. I know I might be saying that off a little bit, but just with the way it kind of sounds and um, I, I can't say all the words I'd like to, but there's some good things going on with that beat, honestly. Uh, but that's per the course of modern hip hop, uh, modern hip hop. I mean, particularly within the well, it's always been about a great beat. It doesn't really matter what era really. Um. You know, you gotta have a nice, a nice beat, uh, particularly, you know, when you want to have those mainstream hits or those hit records, you know. And I think Game uh, makes a fair attempt to, of course, his his big, his big thing going into this uh, album was his supposed beef with Eminem. Uh, of course, he has uh, some bitter feelings based on him being uh, left off for the Super Bowl. Uh, halftime performance and Eminem being there and of course it being in LA and I, I understand that that's that's uh, I couldn't I mean I'm just hypothetically speaking you know I don't see this happening but it's like you know the A's or the well you know it might happen with the, the, the Giants at some point but it's like the Giants you know going to the World Series and there's some uh, event with a whole bunch of Bay Area artists and we leave off like E-40 or something, you know, and we have some random California guys, not even guys from the Bay. I can understand that, you know, um, but for what it's worth, I understand why Eminem was chosen, one of the biggest rap stars in the game, uh, going along with some of the other biggest artists in the game. If I'm not mistaken, 50 Cent was there too, along with Dr. Dre, um, Snoop Dogg. You know, and so I think it. I mean, for the for the most part, I, I think, you know, it got the who's who of what the West Coast is. I mean, if I'm thinking of the West Coast, you know, particularly L.A., you know, the first things that I'm thinking of is Snoop Dogg, is Dr. Dre. Um, if I wouldn't have went with Eminem, I would go with honestly Ice Cube before I went with the game. Am I wrong for that? I, if I'm being real with you, I, I go with with Too Short. Or E forty, maybe actually maybe even E forty, you know, because he's he's uh he's he's really uh broad and, and well known, you know. I I have some interesting I could tell you some interesting stories about E forty, uh, or listening to him or coming across his music in a whole different part of the country and it just blows my mind. I'm like, Y'all listen to this too? You know, um because you know, you know, he was he's from a specific town out here, which is a little it's not it's not nondescript to us because we from out here. We know about Vallejo, but, you know, compared to everywhere else, New York, you know, uh, you know, L.A., you know, to hear to hear that y'all listen to a Vallejo rapper. And I'm I'm five minutes away or, you know, within the you know, relative vicinity of that city in different cities out here that these, you know, a lot of these main time, a lot of our big time rappers have come from. It always blows my mind. But, uh, 
you know, you know, back to the games issue. Like I understand his his anger for that. I could see, you know, hypothetical situation in which it could be an issue. But like I said, even if I wouldn't have went with Eminem, there's a couple other West Coast artists I would have went with off the top myself. You know, not even thinking about game. Uh, maybe even Kendrick Lamar. I think he, maybe Kendrick was there, if I'm not mistaken. I don't watch. The, <laughs> I watch the football. I, I'm one of the the people that don't really care for the halftime. You know, it doesn't it doesn't do much for me. I'm here. For, I'm there for the football. And you know, a couple and the commercials are, can be funny too. But I don't. I, I like to watch the football, which is why I can skip all the game and just watch the highlights later. But that's me. But you know, this is where all you know a lot of his uh, anger and and him you know really wanted to push this album. Uh, you know as much as he does and you know part of it was of course like i said i mentioned eminem and you know and one of his biggest arguments against eminem and a lot of uh rappers uh you know i've heard some newer guys say this i've heard some you know older not necessarily the, the real old the real legends per se but just the old veterans uh you know have said this you know Eminem he he doesn't get played here he doesn't get played in this uh aspect he doesn't get played in in, in the hood and in, in people's cars and he doesn't get played in people's you know uh, uh locker rooms and all that and you know I I'm not here to argue about where Eminem gets played because it's obvious he gets played well enough to be as big as he is okay so he's obviously crossed that threshold into becoming a successful artist on this planet you know it doesn't matter where they listen to him it could be listen i mean it's obvious they listen to him worldwide much like they do 50 cent much like they do uh dr dre which is why all those three happen to have made it now for what it's worth game i think you definitely made a record that people will knock in the hood and i don't take that from you i i think you know when it comes to that i i i don't want to sound sarcastic when i say this you know, at all, you know, because I understand people's want to be connected with. Uh oh, I got hot rides going on out here. You know how we do this live and raw. So let's see what they want to do. Anyway, that's what I live with. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, you know, as far as, you know, game is concerned, I you know, I understand the want to be connected with. You know, I guess what we would call it the struggle in the hood, in the neighborhood, in the, the, the regular black, the the average Joe black folk. Not even, you know, the ones just, you know, just to have that connection with the black community as a whole. I understand black artists want for that. And for what is, and, or the, you know, specifically being in the in the bangers and being blasted out the, the cars and, and being, and that's awesome. Those are great ambitions. Awesome. I, I think that's great to want that and and for game to want that you know that connection which he he has to understand I'm not I, he has, you know his his core fan base base will always be you know real hip hop heads and you know who he considers to be real niggas and you know they're gonna play it and slap it in the in the cars you know he's gonna have a lot of that but with that being said though okay this is for him and the rest of y'all to know that's only one aspect of this world there's six billion people on that planet on this planet okay and i understand the importance of connecting with the trunks of people's cars and want to be listened to in the hood and being blasted 
you know, in the locker rooms. You know, I understand that. Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. Great. You know, people being pumped up to your shit. But that's only one aspect to life. It's obvious that artists such as, again, I, you know, Eminem, 50 Cent, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, you know, Drake, even. Uh, even artists such, such as Chief Keef and to some extent Soldier Boy have gone above and beyond what game has has carved out or what he's think he's carving out over Eminem and as far as you know where people are listening to this yeah okay not every locker room is listening to Eminem but if you go to any gym any public gym any planet fitness any 24 hours I'm pretty sure you're gonna hear something like lose yourself played every now and again or everybody's most uh, uh, favorite one what's the one um, with uh, Nate Dogg uh, till I collapse come on now you act like you ain't never heard till I collapse in a gym game come on now slap yourself <sighs> stop making your arguments hella petty y'all just make music and now you see, and you know, I didn't took it all because that's you know how this conversation evolved and and how I started thinking about the song as it played over and over. You know, and it, it's a great sounding song by you know with the beat, and and the, another thing that's going for it is if you like game, if you're already a fan of game, which I can say that I am to some extent. There's some value here, but with that being said, it's a typical game song. I hear above average bars with name dropping, typical shit he always says and does. The man is 45 years old talking about violence. What the fuck, bro? Like, do you not see what's going on? Black people shooting each other all over the fucking place. You got rappers dying all the fucking time. And you talking about violence at 45, my dude? You got motherfuckers that been in gangs 34 years. Now they trying to get everybody to come together. And you talking about, oh, violence. Like you the hardest motherfucker out there. Got the nerve to bite off Jeezy. Okay. And people gonna say, well, he's paying homage. Motherfucker. He can't ever write a hook. That's the problem. That's why he ain't as big as he think he's supposed to be. And got the nerve to compare to complain about some machine who promoted uh, Eminem and, and made him big and, and 50 motherfucker. You were signed to the same label, you had the same opportunities. You burnt the bridges by going to beef with these people. The fuck are you talking about? And then you mad talking about you fueled and you no. The problem is, he need this album to sell because he got all that bra. Let's be real. Okay, this again, keep your shit together, y'all. Don't be trying to fuck people over. This is what happens. Now you got to put out this album, you know, and you got to diss one of the best rappers in the game to get some clout. You got motherfuckers that need to listen to it, and you biting off Jeezy. Come, and that's your single? Your main single? Hit boy. Your beat is on fire. Game, your bars is cool to an extent, but you ain't never had a hook to save your life, bro. When they hear the new Jeezy, all the dope boys go brazy. Can you do better than that? And it's like, you still making topical ass reference, references. John Madden gone, but the game is still, the fuck are you, nigga, that's, that's tacky, that's 03 game. That sounds like something the game would say in 03. I'm sorry, it he ain't taking the game nowhere. It's still where he was when he was making mixtapes. He's still putting out the same type of bars. Tell me how different, how much different is this song than West Side Story outside of that overt blood and crip references. And South Central references. 
the fuck out of here. It's the same shit. And mind you, I called out Jay-Z a while back for his verse with Kanye on that uh, Lights song or uh, whatever it was called. I got priors for saying that same bullshit on something. Like, he gonna call somebody. I can still have people kill you. Motherfucker, you, you got kids, motherfucker. You talking about, you investor now. I'm not saying you should, whatever people threaten you, you can't defend yourself but you just talk y'all just talking reckless like y'all mafioso bosses we looking past that listen and you know and again back and back to uh the game he wanted to reference you know young thug again and i don't know if i made this point clear about what's going on with young thug right now i'm gonna wait till everything is revealed before i make a final verdict but i'm gonna say this real quick referring to anything you know all this shit you know that he's going through right now now in my opinion again you know if if young thug ends up being innocent of all or guilty of all this then we have to look at as a community and say look at what we've been doing look at what we've been consuming and allow and we at the same time complain oh well this is what white folks make us do white folks make us do this white no you you doing it white folk ain't make you do all with the shit that they do that they at least at this point allegedly had done okay you can't blame no white folk for that shit. And let's say, for instance, they do get innocent. Then all that shit they've been talking was been a lie. So you've been selling lies to be famous. You 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 choking ass. One thing to to showcase it and talk about the plight and say this is what I saw. But it's a whole and it's, and it's and it's one thing to say this is what I did and I changed and I realized my the error of my ways. That's all one thing. But to sit there and say, I'm still in it. Yeah, gangsta, I'm, I'm violent. I'm this. And to sit there and say, this is what I do. I killed that motherfucker. I'm dry snitching. It's it's another thing to dry snitch. So I don't support dry snitching. I I'm not saying free nobody just yet till I know some more shit. Okay? I'm only defending Deshaun Watson because this shit just don't kind of seem right. You know? And I think y'all need to understand what an NDA is all about. It don't really prove his guilt more so that he was really doing the best he could to get himself out of trouble but again you can't stop lawsuits when they really want to take you down particularly if you're a black dude ask bill cosby but anyways back to these rappers and game more notably just kind of wrap this review up i don't want to keep y'all too long but again you know just topical references Again, talking about he's in Mayweather looking for 50 Cent like he's at Mayweather's last fight. Bro, that's not slick. That's not slick. That, I don't even know that that's a simile. You just putting words together like they, they go together. That's not fight. Again, the game sound like just like he did in 2005, 2007, 2008. This man, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, uh, I'll give the album a chance, but I'm not expecting a whole lot from it between me and you um just off the i mean again i'm being giving the benefit of doubt and i'm gonna if i were to grade just a single alone i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it a c plus because this is who he is the bars themselves are what i'm mm, they're uh, uh, to his standard but again his standard ain't where rap he ain't that raw at the end of the day, that's it. He's just not raw compared to the upper echelon. I'm sorry. He's not an upper echelon MC like I used to think he was. 
I, in high school when he was going after 50 Cent, because 50 Cent, again, now that I look back on it, 50 Cent wasn't an okay rapper in all reality. He, you know, he made some good songs though, which again, in a way, will put him over 50 Cent. I mean, put him over the game though. Uh, you know, but I, I don't want to take too much away from 50 either, because look at what he's been able to do. Look at what he's been able to make his career and, and get all into like you know guys like Jay-Z and Nas been able to diversify even T.I. trying to get into comedy Game still rapping about the same shit he don't do nothing he ain't you know he got a little record label who who he done put out that's done significant no rapper you know what I'm saying and and as far as you know everybody trying to make him a goat because of the documentary and talking about he's been holding down the, particularly for the west coast I'm gonna be honest with you bro that's not even the best album from the West Coast that came out in 2005, in my personal opinion. The best album was the one by E-40 anyway. Yeah, I'm talking my ghetto report card. Look that shit up. That shit go, that shit go way harder than game documentary. I'm on further review. Matter of fact, just because of that, I'm going to do it. Upon further review, y'all look out for it on the podcast because y'all slipping on y'all slipping on 40 in them. I, I game cool, but he ain't never been all that. Yuck mouth ate him. Razzcast ate him. A bunch of motherfuckers who just not big like that ate him on the West Coast. Y'all really just not, nah. I'm not feeling it. I'm just being honest with you. It's alright. It's an alright song. It's typical game shit. He ain't, he ain't doing nothing special with it. He better than that. He better than the average mama rappers, but he ain't better than nobody significant in the game. That's that's the whole point. Alright y'all, I'm going to call the raffle tonight If you are looking to get in touch with me You can hit me up on my uh, Instagram You can follow me there I will be leaving the link in the description As well as the link to my YouTube channel as well The Never Out of Bounds YouTube channel That is, uh, I have some uh, Well, I have a recent upload uh, With the uh, car wash review I'm working on some more projects there as well Please be sure to follow me uh, To kind of monitor when that drops I'll be letting you know when all uh, The new, well I'll be doing a better job of making sure I put up the new up, uh, at least notifying you of the new uploads as much as I can uh, but anyways if anybody hasn't told you yet I love you peace out one love and I'll holler at all you guys later yo quick question um what when, um, when was the last time you heard a game song just on the radio um you know just at a at a public event Outside, I guess, of a performance. How do y'all go to a lot of game performances? I mean, just I just you know was thinking you know because he just acting like he's so much more of a relevant artist than than Eminem. I was just just other artists in general, not just Eminem. It was just he just the way he just been coming off on these interviews lately. Just I I done did this and I didn't I didn't had this album and and that album. I'm I'm just I'm just asking um. Can I ask y'all, what songs do you hear outside of How We Do, maybe? Or Hate It or Love It? And I mean anywhere. No? Like, my Laker fans, do they play, do they play, um, game at the, at the, at y'all game, at y'all home games? Or the Clippers, my Clipper fans, do they play them? Because I know in the Bay, they play E-40, they, they play a lot of them. But I'm just saying, like, I don't hear, I mean, I, when I go to the gym, I don't be here in the game. I don't be here to put you on. Let me put you on the game. Let me. I'm going to take you higher. I don't hear that in the shoe store. I don't hear them songs being blasted by nobody. What songs y'all be listening to? Bum blood. Old ass. So I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 
Warriors need to stop. Warrior fans, y'all need to stop being toxic. Y'all need to learn how to win. Y'all done won like five of these, four of these motherfuckers. Four, right? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, shit. Whenever y'all win, I'm just like, yeah, y'all win. But it's like, I, I highlight the moment in my brain, like, hey, y'all won. But I just normally hear hella shit about it for like a few months. So it's just like, ugh, here we go. This is my outtake show. I'm just talking hella shit. I need to get some extra shit off my te- my chest. Apparently, people texting me up, hitting me up. They know I got stuff going on. But that's why these is the outtakes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, my end goal in life, since somebody texted me this, I'm just going to answer it for all y'all, too. Uh, my end goal in life is to be successful, successful at this podcast shit. And uh, to eventually be a successful uh, voice actor. Uh, the ideal scenario is to just be financially stable by doing what the fuck I want to do. At some point, I don't want to have to work. Um, I've gone through the gauntlet of working two to tens late at night, uh, mid shifts, all type of shit, one to nine. Uh, you know, I'm doing the five in the morning type again. And, um, yeah, it's not that I'm tired of anything negative about it. You know, I don't want to be a negative Nancy about it, as the old school heads will say. But, you know, it's like you want to do something different. I found that little path where I can do that. So, um, as far as to, yeah, to answer that question that I was, that I received from a friend of mine. Yeah, um, that's, uh, that's what I see in my life. Um, marriage at some point, but uh, financial stability and mental stability first. I want to make sure I'm comfortable within myself and in my means before I do all that stupid shit. Um, way different, way different mindset than it was back in the day. I would have told you, I want to be in love. I would I want to, I want to have a wife and kids. And I'm like, wait, how do you even get there? Exactly. Um, so yeah, these were the outtakes, you know, like I said, I'm just talking, I'm just talking my shit. Um, before I was distracted by my text message that I answered, yeah, um, the Warriors, stop, stop being toxic, bro. Just take y'all victories and be like, yes, we won. We are, we are better than a lot of teams and keep it pushing. Okay. You know, but with that being said though, I, every fan base can be toxic, bro. Don't make this about Boston. You know, everybody, y'all, like I said, I made cases for y'all fan base. I'm a Portland Trailblazers fan, but we hot. We ain't even got to be like, we ain't even got to be a favorite to win nothing. We could just be like on a winning streak and we could be on the way to the playoffs and we talking shit. Oh, yeah, we didn't. Like, I don't, I'll be the main one. No, I don't know. They always talking shit to me. You, you're never, you're never fully, in, no, I'm fully invested, but I'm smart about it. If I know that we got a solid ass team, then I, we going to do it. This team, I uh, you know, we going to be, I, you know, I'm hearing six seed. I'm about, same six seven, I ain't, I'm, you know, ain't nothing to write home about though. Shit, I want, I man, I've been a fan of this team since I was a little boy. I want to see championships, okay? I'm, I'm okay. I didn't see the sixth place finish. I didn't seen a bunch of those. The, the playoff tournament is new shit. I ain't seen all that, but I seen us finish six seven eighth. I seen us finish with a first seed. I seen us go to the Western Conference Finals, lose and, and lose and lose. Shit, I, I didn't see us go to the final. I hadn't even been born yet, so I didn't even get to see us in the motherfucker. Just like with my Raiders and the A's. Shit, God, the motherfuckers are just going through aimless years. And either they suck or they getting close, and then they get blown out and they look embarrassed. Get the fuck out of here. I'm tired of my A's losing in the wild card game. The fuck? 
That shit's frustrating. Shit. You know, watching a team lose like that, especially in a wild card game. Oh, my God. And they did all they could, and they did everything like the last day of the year to beat the, to fucking win the division. Uh, you know what I mean? How, you know how frustrating those years are? Oh, God. No, I want to see motherfuckers win. Don't tell me about what, oh, we, somebody try to tell me, well, we lucky that, that Shayton, who we, who we draft, bro? Oh, man, whatever his name is, man, we, we lucky he didn't play because he would have been a first-round pick. I don't know. He didn't play for a reason. I ain't trusting that, man. You know, shit. I'm, all right, y'all, you know what it is. I'll holler at y'all later. Shit, done rambling now.